the 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Hour 2, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We're checking out some preseason football. We got the early start coming up here. What's going on? I just noted that, noticed they had the, uh, the Tweety Bird pop. The frozen Tweety Bird. Yes. We'll, go, we'll get into that in a second. You're, jump, you're jumping the gun. You're Sorry. jumping the gun. I just um, noticed it. It's good. You were, uh, I know you were looking to get the uh, first game of the night on. It's New England. They're taking on Carolina after Carolina. a very spirited week of joint practices. Yeah, and New England will be here next week, so we'll see if that continues. It'll be good. I And I have rooting interest in Carolina, so I wanted to. Why is this? I have a, a good friend that plays for the Panthers. I, oh, I okay. I can't uh, keep track of all your NFL friends and where know, they are now. That's true. Well, my best friend of, in the, of NFL players. Oh, really? He's really stacking it here. Okay. Of my, I'm saying of my friends that play in the NFL, my the best one wow, is on the Panthers. This is really building this up. A lot of friends. Building it up. You said I have a lot of friends. I'm like, yeah, I know people in the NFL, but the person who I'm actually closest with, right, who's a player. I've is, heard stories. Yeah, it's with the Panthers. Yes, I've heard stories. None it's, for the air. Probably his last season too. So. Oh, okay. All right, everyone out there, do some research. So yeah, Carolina and New England are going at it. Uh, it sounds like Darnold and. Baker Mayfield are getting almost no time. Yeah, I know. That's why the number has spiraled. <laughs> I just, I just locked in a plus seven. I think it went right, it went away right away. Oh boy. But yeah, it's a, it's the Matt Corral show, and he did not look good last week. Yeah, I didn't understand the craze over Matt Corral slipping in the draft. Like, I, I thought from the get-go he was a project. I never thought he was a first-round pick. And he's also – he's not really ideal QB size. No. So we'll see how it works and out. he doesn't do anything special. He made a lot of – he makes mistakes. I know that. Yeah, true. And, and you also – when you grade quarter – I mean, this is elementary stuff. When you grade quarterbacks, you also have to look at the program he's coming from. Lane Kiffin is a QB guru, which, which is a good thing, but they also throw the ball a million times. So – it's made to make the quarterback look great. Did you say elementary? Yes. Elementary? I like I like I like flipping it around every once in a while. Integral or okay. genuine. All right. Why well, not? Well, genuine, I, I believe, is the singer, so I think they're probably a like the genuine article instead of the genuine article. Yeah. Elementary just threw me off. I, just, I could not. Move on past that, but yeah, you're right. I, I didn't think, I, I didn't think there was anything special about Macarell, and I, I mean, he looked awful. We talked about you know certain players come in and okay. Well, we also said don't overreact to Kenny Pickett looking good and George Pickens looking good. So shouldn't we say, hey, let's let him play now? Yes, let's calm down. Yes, but I think it's different. It's a different overreaction to negative than positive, because for the most part, you're coming in in a situation where you should look good. Like you're you're usually coming in against third stringers. Nobody's really getting after you. You are set up to look good. Was I talking to you off the air uh, earlier in the week about watching Brock Purdy? And I was like, I thought he looked pretty decent. Now, again, it's the end of the game, but I thought he made some you know, pretty nice throws on the run and you know, scramble drills. And I, I, will, I will say that's how I watch it. I've watched, I believe I did watch every game last week, which is just an exhausting <laughs> chore. With some of these preseason games, uh, but I don't. I could not care less if somebody looks good. 
I only look for if they look bad. Okay. That's it. Yeah, sticking with the hardcore football talk, uh, UNLV's training camp ended today for football, and they did bring out an ice cream truck. It looks, looks pretty legit. Did it have the, the music? It did not, but I did. You know what? It was actually an ice cream woman, not an ice cream man, because uh, the vast social media crew made sure to post Eddie Murphy screaming about the ice cream man. The world's going to hell. Women are taking over everything. Uh, she might have. She might. She might have had it. I, but but you're right. If she did, she should have cranked it up because what happened at the end of practice? I think they knew it was there. It was like a herd of giant human beings running. And I was trying to get video, and I'm like, I'm not. I have avoided injuries so far working the sideline thing. I'm not getting freaking planted because, you know, whatever. I'll say 30 because not the, the entire team isn't gigantic, but I would get trucked by a wide receiver, you know, small wide receiver. But I, I didn't want to get run over by some 18 to 23-year-old. But are you also suggesting, like, toward the end of practice – when they're trying to listen or they're trying to go through drills, everybody just has, kind of has one eye over no, at the ice cream truck. No, I think they were. I think they were. I think they were honed in. What's that truck got? I think they were honed in. Uh, the menu, like you said, you know, the funny thing is, we have uh, an ice cream truck that drives through our neighborhood, and my God, bless their heart, it is. It's like a Dodge, nineteen seventy eight van. That somehow this bucket is still working, but it had. It really has the good music. And I've never gone out to the ice cream truck. So I don't know what modern day. I've gotten old. I don't know what modern day ice cream trucks have. I don't think they've changed that much. I mean, some of the items have. When I sent you the menu, I, uh, I, the menu was sent out on our uh, on the Learfield UNLV All Access podcast page. which is a new podcast that Caleb Herring and I are doing. And Curtis Terry will join along at some point. They had the, uh, yeah, the Tweety. What is that? A Tweety what? It's just a, like a Tweety Popsicle. They had multiple with the, with the gummy eyes. Okay. Oh, I didn't know it was gummy eyes. Uh, let's see. Cotton candy. There's an orange dream bar. You can shove that. I don't like that. A lot of bomb pops. I don't know bomb pops. Really? I feel like they've been rebranded. Yeah, I think they have a new name probably. Right, right. Like, you know, back whatever, 50 years ago when I was uh, get, at the ice cream truck. It's a pretty – something different. I mean, it, maybe maybe they stopped – maybe uh, ice cream truck stopped evolving. But if you're saying this is much different than when you were a kid, this is this is my era ice cream truck. Yeah, ice cream sandwiches. Uh, the things I were uh, I were I was impressed with. You mentioned the chocolate eclair. Yeah, classic. That looked nice, and I'll I will tell you because I am quite the investigative journalist when it comes to food. <laughs> they have the teenage mutant ninja turtle pop too. They do. Ugh, I I asked great. I asked the woman I was like, hey, what they clear you out on? Like, what they love the most? And she's like, the bomb pops they loved. And she goes, she goes, they went crazy over the crumbled cookie bar Yeah, where she ran out to the point where, like, I got a picture, but she had put that back out, the sign. She had to remove the sign because there could have been mass panic. It's smart. It's smart to do that, though, and say, okay, this is, this is gone. Pick something else. Now, I will say this. If anybody – I think you could have told a lot. You know what the – we always talk about the combine is really a week-long interview. Like, everything you do is being watched. If you're mean to a server at a, at a restaurant – you, you know that the player probably has problems. I would have, if I was the coaching staff, watched and made sure. And if anybody went ice cream sandwich, I probably would have cut them. Oh, that's really interesting. And it's not because an ice cream sandwich is necessarily a bad item. It's delicious. You're, it's in the hot weather. 
It's just going to melt all over your hands. It's a terrible mistake. Okay, a couple things on that. I would get the ice cream sandwich. Uh, two, I just bought some. Get some with the stick. I just bought some ice cream sandwiches. They're called Fat Boys. I sure. just bought those. They're, they're like they're like half ice cream sandwiches. Um, Marcus Arroyo was very hesitant to talk about the truck and what he would get, but the first thing that he uttered was an ice cream sandwich. But then he said, "I'm beyond the age limit. It's all for them, all in fun. You know, these guys get it." I, I'll also say. But then you ran over and got ice cream. No, I, you're not past the age limit. I didn't get it. Okay. No, I didn't get it. No, I was, t- I was telling you off the air, you know, some media people got it, and I was like, nah, it's, I don't want it. Um, the other interesting thing, the first thing requested by the first player was, realizing it was not available, was? Ooh. Choco Taco. Ding, ding. That made me laugh. Did I follow the news, or was he trolling? I think a little of both. Okay. I, I think he knew. It was Naki Fahina, who's one of their defensive okay. linemen. He's like, no Choco Taco, huh? <laughs> Did he uh, say it that sad? Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I might actually, I might have the audio. I'll have to check. I, I want to verify. Get Choco Taco? Because that's what I would get. Well, you, are you going to have to beep out his reaction when they say they don't have it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a little crunch crunch. <laughs> so I have to watch the... Uh, Manti Teo oh. documentary. You you send this in oh. every day. It's that good. It's so good. I've I believe you. I was I don't know if lucky's not the right word. I was so happy that I had talked like four or five people into it by today. Cause I was just talking about it with everyone all day. It's so good. It, and I I saw and I know I uh I talk, I don't remember if I I don't think I talked about this the other day. Um but uh Pat McAfee was talking about this with Darius Butler, another former NFL player. And as soon as he mentioned the name Manti Teo, because Pat McAfee had watched and, and Darius Butler had not, as soon as he mentioned the name Darius Butler, who I, I find great, very cerebral, like I, I like a lot of stuff he says, he just started kind of going in on, on Manti Teo. Soft, how do you let this happen, all this stuff. And McAfee goes, hold on. Before you say another word, watch it. Yeah. So, And I think a lot of people re- misremember or didn't fully understand the situation at the time. It was vicious. It was a really cruel prank. And, and it was, yes, and it was something that was done to him. And a lot of people suspected that either he was in on it or, and this is where I was on, on it because I didn't know the full timeline. I thought that he had done an interview saying it had happened and then found out it was not real and then continued lying about it. That's not what happened. And what really happened? Horrifying horrifying what happened to him behind the scenes and what what happened to his physical body as a result of all the anxiety and stress and, and you can understand they, they showed pictures again of do you remember how viral it got it was like one of the first things that went massively viral of people standing there with their arm out pretending to have it around a girl and like Manti Teo's girlfriend like it was everywhere and he said can you imagine not being able to escape where you know like I will oftentimes go to work at like a coffee shop sit in the corner and just ignore the world and just get work done. You, there's nowhere to go. Everywhere you go, you are the butt of every joke that everybody has. And anytime you want to sign an autograph or take a picture, you have to, like, as he said, in my mind, you want to be nice to fans, but you think people are probably just doing this to make fun of you. It was brutal what that guy went through. And when you get to know the, the full story of what happened, absolutely awful. All right, Manti Teo documentary. I'm watching it this weekend. 
Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You know, we have two joint practices coming up next week. You know, that's a different environment. Every day is a great opportunity. I don't look at the preseason games like they're any, you know, it's like it's in any different opportunity than what we have today. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. That made it pretty clear, right, Adam? I know you guys kept uh, going at McDaniels. I'm not saying you were, like, aggressive, but, like, is Carr, Crosby, Adams playing? And McDaniels danced around a little bit, but I thought that clip right there, he basically, without saying it, he's like, I don't care about the preseason games. For those guys, the joint practice next week, that's important. Practice is important, but that doesn't give us an exact answer on what's going to happen tomorrow if Max, Carr, Devontae will play. Let's bring in Stanford Route former Oakland Raider. We've been talking about preseason and the importance of it. And frankly, Stanford, I think the importance of preseason has really changed since you were around. There are a lot of coaches who are like, you know what, it's just for the twos, the threes, and the guys on the edge of making the roster, right? Yeah, it definitely has changed a lot. You know, whenever you see now guys like, especially with Sean McVay with the Los Angeles Rams, pretty much already stating about two or three years ago that his starters would never play in the preseason. So it pretty much is getting to a point where now it's just about the backups, the young guys, making sure that they're acclimated into the scheme and things like that. And now that you went ahead and took away one week of the preseason, which now you have three preseason games, I think it's putting less and less emphasis on it, but also putting more and more of an emphasis on the joint practices against the other teams. And that's where your starters are really able to sharpen their knives. So I'll just start. I mean, you've been around enough players. Is it is it different from player to player? Do some people need it? Do some people want it? Do some people just not want to do it at all? Is there is there kind of differences from player to player? Well, players know that they only have an X amount of number, a finite number of hits a finite number of miles on their legs throughout their career. So they want to do everything they can to try to lengthen that career. They want to try to lengthen that road as much as they can. So if that means making sure that you are really up on point in the joint practices, getting more reps there, but not suiting up for the preseason, not putting as much emphasis on the preseason, that's what a lot of players feel. And I think that player to player, what you're asking as long as you're able to go ahead and get the pads flapping in some form of capacity. So now with the joint practices, you can get that same type of preseason energy, that same type of preseason, that, 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 uh, that same type of mojo, even though there's not people in the stands watching the games, you still are able to go ahead and get that one hit or two, go ahead and cover your receiver up. Maybe if you're an edge rusher, go ahead and use the quick hands to get around the tackle. That way you know that you're ready and well-oiled whenever the season kicks off. You know, that just it brought up something to my mind that I wanted to ask you about because uh, the the guardian caps that are being worn by players, you know, I, I researched them a lot, and part of what what they were saying about them is, look, it's not going to protect you, you know, finitely. You're not, it's not going to make sure you don't ever get any brain trauma. But hey, if it reduces a little bit each hit throughout the preseason, it's going to save you in the long run. It might be a little helpful. And I heard so many players kind of mocking them and making fun of them, and and I get it, they look silly. But it's for them, right? I mean, it was kind of weird that so many guys were so dismissive of something that could help prolong their career. You know, the thing is, is that whenever you sign up to play this game, you already are well aware of the risk. And as a former player, I've had many talks with several guys that I either played with, against, things like that. And the thing is, you know the risk. But what it is is that the reward so far outweighs the risk 
that's why you're willing to do that. So there's a possible way that you can go ahead and try to make the game a little safer. But let's go ahead and make no mistake about it. This is a game that was designed to be violent. So there's no there's no tangible way that you're going to be able to go ahead and completely transform this game into powder puff, completely transform it into a pillow fight, because that's not why it was designed. That's not why America loves it as much as they do. So, yes, you can go ahead and make it safer to a certain degree, but at a certain point it is still going to be physical. It's going to have a certain level of violence, and there's just no way that you can stop that. So that's why a lot of players are kind of scoffing at that because they know the crux of it was designed to be violent. So you can you can go ahead and make it a little bit safer incrementally, but the overwhelming overall aspect of this game is you're going to get some bumps and bruises, and unfortunately, sometimes you're going to get concussions. At what point, you know, we talk about the preseason and, and getting guys ready and some guys not playing, some guys playing. At what point do you start to worry about some aspect of your team, right, where the Raiders have had a little bit of issue covering kicks. Uh, they've had a little bit of issue uh, in the interior of the defensive line, kind of giving up some big plays. Now, yeah. a lot of those guys aren't going to be on the field during the regular season, but there are some maybe some concerns about run fits, things like that. At what point of the preseason do you start to say, oh, this might be an issue? I think that right now in, in today's landscape of the NFL, it's very hard to go ahead and say, oh, that's an issue because the starters are not playing more than ever. So you could simply have a good defense, but let's say you don't have good backups. You could have a really good starting offensive line, but you don't have good backups. So you may look like you have issues in the preseason because you have your lesser players. You have your twos. You have your threes. You have your young guys in there. And when you put your starters in there, it may be a complete polar opposite as far as the strength of your team. So I think that right now in this landscape with players playing the least amount that they've ever played in the preseason, I think it's very difficult to try to go ahead and diagnose those same types of bumps, I'm sorry, those same types of blemishes as you could in years past where you had the starters playing a good deal or at least a decent amount in the preseason. It's going to be hard to do now. Uh, have, have you been watching the games? It's tough to get through whole preseason games, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I watch it a little bit because I love football. So anytime that there's a game on, one like I said, after the Super Bowl, it's very difficult for me as a football historian, as a football fanatic, to go ahead and go throughout the month of March, April, May, June, July, things like that, because I love football. So I'll watch it a little bit because I love the game, but I'm right there with you, seeing those guys who you know probably won't be making the roster, or if they do, they'll be playing special teams, things like that. It is tough to watch once you get past the second quarter. There, there was a lot of conversation last week, Stanford, about Darren Waller not being at the preseason game. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on that as somebody who's been in a locker room. Like, how much does that matter? He wasn't going to play anyway. He did show up a little bit later, but he was over at the Aces game watching his friend, we'll say, uh, play in the Aces game. Does that matter to other players if a guy's not there? I think it kind of varies. You know, certain guys, they're very big on team camaraderie. They want you to be there at every second of every minute of everything having to do with anything within the organization. But for a lot of guys, as long as, um, as, as, long as you're there 
opening kickoff, the first game of the season, and as long as they know that you're going to go ahead and bring your A game, you're going to be one of the top tight ends in the league, they're not going to really, really hold you up over something that you did in the preseason, not being there, even though you weren't going to play anyways. A lot of guys, they're not going to, they're not going to hold that against you, but there are some who are team-oriented, yes. That is something that they're going to hold very big, and they might actually hold that against you if, let's say, you come out the gate and you're already on, you know, injured reserve or something like that. So it just varies you know, guy to guy. But the overwhelming majority, they're not going to they're not going to hold that against you as long as you bring it on Sunday opening kickoff. Stanford route, former Oakland Raider, NFL insider on Fridays. So the Waller thing's a little bit weird. The other one that's weird is I saw the note put out by a couple of national writers that. Derek Carr hadn't thrown an interception in camp. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's true. Who would really track that? The media is not there all the time. Adam, you think that that was a little bit off? Well, yeah. And then people, then people were saying, well, in, in 11 on 11, he hasn't. And then the other day, he threw a pick, <laughs> he, he threw a pick six to Nate Hobbs. Right. And people were like, well, that's his first one. And I said, well, this is a 7 on 7. It's not even 11 on 11. What are you talking about? Right. Like, it's so It's so weird. These, these kind of stats that come out. I don't know where people get them from. Where Like, is the coaches telling people? Are the coaches saying, hey, we haven't seen it happen? I don't know. Well, because no the other thing, Stanford, when I saw it, I'm like, if that was leaked by someone, it kind of – like, I might look at it like, well, the defensive backs aren't very good. Like, they, they he never makes a mistake. They never capitalize on anything. Like, really? It's well, weird, I mean, man. guys, I think that uh, you got to look at it twofold, or you can go ahead and look at it threefold simply because maybe Derek Carr has really, really turned the corner, and maybe he's poised to have a really phenomenal season because now he has Devontae Adams, he has Hunter Renfro coming back. Obviously, Darren Waller will be back at some portion of this season, and then we also know the Raiders only had six INTs last year. That, 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 is, that is putridly horrible. So it could be a little bit of both of those. And as far as the media, as far as everybody making a story about it, yes, obviously somebody went ahead and told a reporter. Or because for reporters, it's the preseason. There's not really many stories that they can go ahead and just conjugate or create out of thin air. That's something that you can go ahead and run with. That's a narrative that you can push to your fan base. That way, it's something for them to read. It's something for them to go ahead and get giddy over, things like that. So there's three different elements that's creating this story right here from Derek Carr to the defense, also with the media. All right, so we get these weird narratives that come out, and another weird one is here. Like we just talked about Waller going to the basketball game. He's, he's not around. What's happening? What, what the hell is going on with Tom Brady? We, we see him take a leave. He's got the back. We talked about this last week, the backing of the coaches. They said it had been prearranged before preseason, and now we're getting these weird stories. Like, people are trying to guess at what the hell is happening. I mean, hey, we, uh, your guess is as good as mine. I do know this. Last year, Tom Brady, I believe, led the league in passing yards, correct? <laughs> yes. I believe Tom Brady has more Super Bowl titles than any NFL franchise, correct? Correct. Let, let that man do whatever the hell he wants to do. As long as he's there for week one to get the Cowboys, I don't care what he does. I don't care if he wants to go and do Kama Sutra. I don't care if he wants to go and all of a sudden be a ballet dancer in the Olympics. I don't care. As long as he's there opening Sunday to go ahead and start it off against the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing because of his track record of greatness and his commitment to being great on a day-to-day basis. Let me, let me throw a complete hypothetical on that, though. What if he's not? So, like, we keep just expecting he's going to be back. What if he takes this leave 
and all of a sudden, right before the season, he tells his teammates, "Yeah, you know what? I'm out." Like, is that fair? I mean, I mean, anything is possible. I just don't see Tom Brady being that type of person because he just seems like he has an ultimate commitment to himself. I think he has an ultimate commitment to his team, and then there's a certain part of Tom Brady that. He does not want to be that guy. You saw how he went ahead and he retired back in the offseason. And then he decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to come back. Rather than simply, like what you're, like what you're alluding to, going throughout the offseason and then deciding, you know what, I want to walk away. He decided to go ahead and walk away kind of-ish early and then come back rather than pull the rug out from under the entire Tampa Bay Bucks organization and pulling something like that. So I just can't see him doing that just because I don't think he's wired that way. If anything, and I love this guy, so like I said, don't anybody take this and run with it. But if we're talking about personalities, I can see Aaron Rodgers doing something like that more so than I would Tom Brady, even though I love Aaron Rodgers and he's a part of my 05 draft class, one of the best ever. What, what if Tom Brady's filming a reality show? Does that change it? I mean, hey, as long as he's able to bring it on Sunday, opening <laughs> opening kickoff, I would allow him to do a reality show just because Tom Brady is proven he's the GOAT. So I think that there's certain, there, there, there's certain privileges that I think he's earned that you have to allow him to go ahead and have certain leeways. Stanford, let's wrap on this one. We're watching Carolina and New England in the preseason. They got real chippy during the week with their joint practice. Uh, apparently, you know, there's some history there with, uh, you know, Brian Burns injury and Mac Jones and all that stuff. Did you ever, did you ever get uh, with the Raiders or any of the teams you played on ever involved in a joint practice where you actually looked forward to the joint practice and there might have been like some lingering anger from previous well, meetings or anything? Well, you just like the joint practice because you're tired of practicing against yourself. So anytime you can go ahead and see another color jersey, that's something you'll always look forward to. So that's always the main thing or the main takeaway that you can have whenever you're excited for a joint practice. Believe in Raiders podcast. That's the podcast that Stanford Route does every week with Dennis Ackerman. Check for it on the Believe Network. Stanford, have a great weekend. We appreciate it. Man, you guys be good. Be safe. I'll talk to you next week. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. C'è la luna mezzo mare, mamma mia, So you didn't go to Miami for Raiders in Miami. No. UFC 278 is going on. So are you juggling all this stuff tomorrow? I was thinking about driving up to Salt Lake. I'm not. Uh, but I was thinking about it. If the card was better, like, as a whole, I probably would. It got pretty dramatic this week, didn't it? It did, yeah. What's What's the bigger news of the week? Uh, Kamar Usman going for, you know, all-time records? Or the card, well, the media sessions being blown up by... One fighter talking about fighter pay and give, basically giving no Fs and then lecturing media people, and then Dana's all mad at media people. Yeah. White. I mean, I think Luke Rockhold has definitely been the biggest story uh, in terms of you know somebody who's been around the game for a long time, fighting for the first time in three years, potentially could just get mauled and run out of the organization, uh, and him finally speaking up and, and just saying how ridiculous it's been over the years and uh, how the you know there was growth in the sport at a time and then when it got sold uh it became you know very very much tighter with the money and less of it going the fighters direction and more money coming in but fighters getting paid less and less bonuses and 
uh, no sponsorship money and all of those things. Uh, and, and it's it's you know it's interesting to monitor at times. Like Luke Rockhold is a guy that probably could have made a lot more money in sponsorships than he did as a fighter, and did he made more money outside the cage, I believe, than he did inside the cage. And, and he was a guy that was champion, and he had modeling contracts and all that stuff that he did outside. Uh, but yeah, he he's spoken up, and I think. You know, it is important for some of the guys that have, been, have made more money to speak up about these things, but it's also important when they're at the top of their game. Yep. When you're and potentially this, on the way out, it's not the time. And this is where, like, he's a victim of what's been going on. The, you know, the whatever, the last, really it's developed, I think, more the last, like, four years with pay and going corporate. Kamara Usman is a guy who should be speaking up, but he's also, I think, lost out because of the kind of the, the hammering down on fighter pay. And the other thing is, this week, he's going for something really cool here, and he's being overshadowed by fighter pay discussion. Like, that guy does not get the attention he should for what he's done, and he's never really gotten a chance to be in super fights. Because if they, I think if they were as aggressive as they used to be, and it wasn't corporate, we probably would have seen a Kamar Usman GSP fight. He would have destroyed GSP, but that would have been a big payday. And he never got that. Yeah, and... and- I think there's a lot of moving pieces of, of why this has happened. You know, cor- it's easy to say they're corporate now, but also you know the fact that ESPN controls so much of it, yeah. uh, and they call a lot of the shots, and they also provide a lot of the capital where the UFC doesn't yeah. necessarily have to, you know, find ways to draw viewers anymore. Like they have their, you know, they have their built-in kind of safety net. I I, I know I sound like a kiss ass, and I'm normally not sounding like this when it comes to Dana White. But he is working under different circumstances. Oh, right? yeah. He doesn't have full control, and, you know, he can go right to his guys, the Fertitas, and say, screw it. We got we, like we have to make this fight. I mean, there's clearly been a change. Oh, there definitely has we've got, been. We've got, like, four or five of the biggest fighters in the world either at the end of their prime or in their prime, and they, the guys who were at the end didn't fight anymore, and the guys who were in their prime like, were just – on the sidelines, like what the hell's going on? Yeah, and and nothing is ever going to change. We we said this when it was the discussions about potentially unionizing and and uh, getting a fighters union to to advocate for these things. The issue that they had and always will is that they the the guys that are making the most would have to sacrifice something in order for that to happen. Like their pay would probably come down on some level for everybody else's to come up and for everybody to get the benefits and things that they want. And so there's no motivation for them to do that. And until somebody is at the top of their game, like when Luke Rockhold was champion, if you wanted to do this, this could have had an impact. But you might have one fight left and you're gone. Like what is it going to do now? Let's talk uh, week one, week zero, college football betting, and also if, uh, if there were some angles tonight and tomorrow on preseason NFL with Brad Powers. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. <laughs> It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Brad Powers is up with us here on this Friday as we're hanging out at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Excellent. Thanks for having me on. Did you get involved in any of the Friday night NFL preseason tilts? I played Houston on the money line, uh, late minus uh, 140. Still available. Uh, it's a late game tonight. Uh, yeah, uh, n- nothing big, but th- that's the bet for tonight. Why the Texans? 
Uh, you know, Rams historically under Sean McVay have not valued the preseason very much. Uh, they did happen to get a win in their last preseason game. Houston, it means a little bit more deeper quarterback rotation. Got college football on the horizon. Are you starting to uh, start to kind of feel it in your toes and your fingers a little bit? Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, I need that fun the next week <laughs> as far as prep goes, but I, I like that we kind of ease into the season with, with a good amount of games next weekend, you know, 14 games if you're counting the FCS. So uh, I, I'm certainly excited. I'm certainly involved and, and looking to get more involved, and that includes, you know, UNLV playing uh, next Saturday. Yeah, the, the weird part about asking a guy like Brad if he's fired up for this coming week, like, you know, it sounds like, oh, we're just getting started. Like, you already have over 200 bets on college football. So, I mean, you're ready to see the action unfold, but you're not, you're not necessarily betting a whole lot this next week or so. Um, I, I do want to get into some games and see if you have some leans and likes as we yep. uh, go through week zero and also uh, week one a little bit. So I'm going to bounce around. So there might be some week one. There might be some week zero. Actually, I'll start with week zero. Um, Nevada is playing New Mexico State. Uh, right now they're nine and a half. I know all the totals aren't out yet. Um, I think I think Nevada is going to struggle offensively, finding an identity. The uh, the former coach Jay Norv- uh, Norvell stole a lot of the weapons, and obviously Carson Strong went to the NFL. What are you going to do with this game? So I'm involved, uh, dog and under. Uh, oh, dog too. Prices, yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, Nevada. I downgraded Nevada more than any team in the entire country uh, this offseason. Uh, market has 10 degree. We've seen one of the biggest line moves. Uh, I mean, DraftKings opened this one 17 and a half, and now it's nine. And I'm here to tell you, if I had to guess, I'm guessing it's going to continue to drop. I think it probably drops at least another point. So New Mexico State lean at the current number. It's also my favorite totals play uh, you know, the, uh, of week uh, zero. I bet under. Now, it just got lit up here uh even today and i mean the screen's still lighting up uh people agree with me on that one and i would still lean under 50 and a half although you know me i got a better number right right of course you got a better number you got a much you got a much better number so let's look at week one we've been talking about pittsburgh for months and the loss of kenny pickett and you know i threw that your way and i'm like oh Pitt's not going to be good and then you started talking about the quarterbacks and you're like they're not going to drop off much and then right out of the gates You've got this backyard brawl game against West Virginia. What do you do here? Yeah, I, I think there's still some value here. At least pure power rings is one of my biggest disparities, even left on the board. It worries me that it hasn't continued to move, but I like Pitt, and I have bet the current number, minus seven. I bet five, and I like six, I like seven. Uh, but I, I think it's going to close above seven, seven being you know one of the two most key numbers in college football. Reason being that I think there's still some value on Pittsburgh. Number one, everyone overreacting to the Kenny Pickett news. I think Slovis will be fine uh, if he indeed wins that starting job there. Uh, also, Pittsburgh really tough at the line of scrimmage. All five starters back on the offensive line. Defensive line, I think, is top ten caliber in the entire country. And then I just think JT Daniels is overrated for West Virginia. I don't think he's that good. So uh, add that up in Pittsburgh, in my opinion, should be laying ten here. So this is still a really good bet for me. Pretty crazy, huh? When you mention those names, you got USC quarterbacks on both sides, former USC quarterbacks on uh, <laughs> on both sides, even though they took you know weird paths to get there. I am totally fascinated by Hawaii. Like, I don't think it's going to be a quick bounce, 
But it's gonna, there's going to be a bounce here just with the culture. Timmy Chang is back to coach after Todd Graham turned into a freaking disaster. It's a 9,000-seat stadium. Uh, Western Kentucky is there. They're laying a big number here. What do we do? Well, let's see how Hawaii looks in Week Zero against Vanderbilt. I can tell you this: I have bet. Yeah, I have faded Hawaii in both of those matchups. Uh, Right now, though, I mean, because the markets reacted significantly to both. I mean, I would actually, if it went to seven, I would actually lean Hawaii in that Week Zero game against Vanderbilt. Hawaii catching seven. The other game, I'm still seeing some slight value in Western Kentucky. I think people are overreacting to Bailey Zappi leaving for Western Kentucky. I think they'll be okay at quarterback. I'm fading Hawaii early on. There's so much roster turnover and so much staff and experience. I know, Timmy Chang, you can talk culture all you want, but the reality is guy's never even been a coordinator before in his coaching career. Back to Western Kentucky for a second. Uh, Didn't they lose – didn't they have a high-profile quarterback come in to try to get the job? Uh, former West Virginia guy, and then he was like, yeah, I'm out. I'm not getting the job. I'm out. <laughs> they, they indeed did. I actually think pe- people are going to say, hey, that's a negative. I actually think it's a positive. His name was Jared Daggy. Uh, he's a guy that was a multiple-year starter at West Virginia. Look, he wasn't great, but he still, you know, was, for West Kentucky's sake, pretty solid quarterback. The fact that he got beat out, says that West Kentucky, in my opinion, is going to have pretty good quarterback play. He's a guy that was a national championship-level quarterback at the Division II level, so I think they're going to be all right. And, again, I'm betting West – I already bet West Kentucky against Hawaii. The line ain't out yet, but I'm looking to bet West Kentucky against West uh, against Austin P in Week 0. Line isn't out yet. If it's 21 or less, I'm taking West Kentucky. Uh, that is as good of info as I can give you right now. BradPowerSports.com, at BradPower7 up on Twitter. Uh, BradPowerSports.com has great packages for the season. The information is awesome. Adam sent over a story today that I wanted to run by Brad about Nebraska and the coaching staff. What was it? Uh, They seem very proud that they're making their players vomit 15 to 20 times a day. (laughs) Uh, I'm concerned about this. Yeah, I I didn't get it at all. I mean, that's like, I mean, stuff that we all grew up with. I mean, proud of throwing up two-a-days type stuff. I mean, that's just a, a 1970s way of thinking. And when you add in the fact that I don't trust Scott Frost to begin with and he's, you know, on the hot seat, I just think, you know, 15 to 20. I th- number one, I think he's lying. There's no way that guys are throwing up 15 to 20 times at this point in fall practice. No. On top of it, I don't understand why you would want that at this point in practice. Yeah. For day one, yeah, sure. Not now. Yeah, Your guys are that out of shape. Um, based on that, because I'm a lunatic, I'm like, screw it. I'm taking Northwestern in Dublin plus the 13. Yeah, I, I like Northwestern plus 13. But I'm here to tell you, nah, don't run in the window to bet that yet. Let's see, because Nebraska continues to take some money there. Yeah. Uh, let's wait and see if we can catch 14. Okay. Well, all their players are going to be dehydrated, clearly, from vomiting so many times between now and then. It's going to be rough. Uh, You mentioned a couple of quarterback situations where you kind of, I expect this guy to be named starter, that sort of thing. Are there any that you're waiting on right now that you think could swing one way or the other that might cause you to bet honor against the team? No, I don't think so at this point. I mean, the only thing that's going to swing quarterback-wise is an injury, you know, a la Sam Hartman type news. There's nothing significant for me. I mean, let's talk about the news of the day was, you know, 
uh, Ewers getting named the starter for Texas yeah. didn't really swing it uh, for me. In fact, I'm actually surprised by it. I mean, I was just talking to some guys yesterday that had seen the scrimmages, seen the practices. Their expectation was Hudson Card was going to be named the starter, not Quinn Ewers. Hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, you're leading forward. Hi, I, I wasn't leading forward. Okay. A, co- a couple of things, Brad. Uh, one, I know you you love college football, so you, you know you're watching TV. I saw you make a comment on the new broadcast team for Notre Dame. It's oh. Jack Collins. Oh, Jack <laughs> Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. Yeah, uh, not a fan. Now, nepotism is not something that I'm a big fan of. Uh, <laughs> and when you go from Mike Tirico, I think is top five, regardless of college football or the NFL, to a guy that's you know never been on the big stage, that's that's a downgrade. If we're doing a power rating, that's about as big of a downgrade as you can get. Do you wa- do you watch sound on any game? I just picture you with like 50 TVs going and no sound on at all. Uh, it depends. It depends. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're isolated games on Thursday, Friday, and whatever. Yeah, but uh, you're right when it's a game day. I, I I don't listen to the commentators. I get fired up too much. Like, they'll make a comment that I think is <laughs> relatively ignorant. And that just, you know, my blood pressure is already up during the course of the day, and that'll just spike it even higher. Follow Brad at, uh, on Twitter, Brad Powers 7 I found something interesting. I like when people try to go next level and crunch numbers, but someone tweeted out, these teams have the largest negative difference from recruit rank versus talent they put on the field this year by my numbers. Um, and, you know, the I guess the product that's been produced hasn't turned out. Uh, maybe I'm misreading this, but he had programs like Cal, Iowa, UNLV, La Tech, Northwestern, Duke, Rutgers, FIU, Vandy, Iowa State listed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw that tweet. I really respect that guy. He is a consistent winner when it comes to college football. Oh, okay. I mean, that, that's tough to say. So I really respect the guy. Uh, you know, to me, I'm a little surprised Iowa's up there. I think he's got Iowa too low in his far range. If, it, if the recruiting rankings for Iowa say that uh, they're actually underachieving compared to recruiting rank, I, I'm not sure that that's, you know, ranked accordingly. I understand UNLV. I think UNLV's underperformed considering what they've done recruiting. And I also think he's probably valuing the last couple of classes a little too much in those rankings. We haven't necessarily seen that produce on the field because now that I'm thinking Iowa has signed recently, last couple of classes, some of their best in school history, well, them guys haven't necessarily translated to the field yet because they're freshmen and sophomores, similar to UNLV. If UNLV's going to make their – their move, it has to be this year, obviously. Yeah, I mean, obviously when I saw it, you know, with Rutgers and, and UNLV, two pro- programs I follow closely, I'm like, the recruiting classes of, you know, second and third year coaches really haven't had a chance to get on the field. It's almost like the assumption is if a guy's a four-star, he's going to play as a freshman no matter where he goes. That's not that's not the case from a size and strength standpoint, especially if it's linemen. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. And, you know, Rutgers, I mean, certainly, I mean, Seattle's upgraded the talent level. They're still freshmen and sophomores. Wimstad, I mean, is going to be great for him, but, I mean, he's barely seen the field so far. He's a true sophomore. Brad, have a good weekend. The, the fury is hey, coming. Thanks for having me. It's coming. There he is, Brad Powers, BradPowerSports.com. Yeah, it was a weird list. Um, and with UNLV, you know, obviously UNLV's overall record under Arroyo is heavily influenced by that year zero where they went 0-6, but, you know, like two of the guys who were the highest recruits from a couple of years ago are linemen. Anthony Rosas out of Southern California and Nick Demetrius, a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman. They're, they're 
Demetrius is starting to move into the two line, but he's in the three line. Orosis is still in the three line. Like most linemen don't come in and are able to play right away. Now, what it should be is a predictor of better things this year and much better things in 2023.